Hello, everybody. Welcome into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank going up on a Tuesday, May the 4th be with you. I, I was never a, a, a big, huge Star Wars guy. Now, I'm not one of those people that's like, I've never seen the movies or anything. No, I mean, I, I saw the, the movies from... You know, back in the day, episodes four, five, and six. I watched those when I was a kid. I watched the newer ones when they came out in the late 90s and early 2000s. And that's about it. Haven't really kept up with the Star Wars universe um, the way that, you know, some friends of mine and, and Star Wars people have. But I'll always say this about Star Wars. Part of its impact is marketing and marketing when when things when it went from nerdy to cool boy you saw every single company disney bought it up it just went from like ultra popular to the most popular thing on the planet it is a multi billion dollar industry in and of itself the star and it's great with marketing. For instance, may the fourth be with you. Oh, you know, nerds win. It's great. Actually, there's nothing really nerdy about it. That's just part of the branding. Once something becomes trendy and not actually, quote, nerdy, then it's everywhere. Happy to be back on the airways with you guys. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. Been out the last couple of shows. I'm back. Not going anywhere. May the fourth be with you. Once something's trendy, you see it talked about a lot more. In baseball, for years, analytics was used in a big way. And for years, it was not mainstream. It wasn't. Then Moneyball was written, the book, and it, it started to gain a little popularity, but it was, it was a book. It wasn't number one at the box office in a movie starring Brad Pitt yet. But boy, once that movie came out, there was this big impact. In the NBA, it wasn't so much a movie or a book, but over time, you saw PER, player efficiency rating. You saw the analytic side of basketball start to slip more into the mainstream. Now, it's not screamed um, each day in some talking head debate show. But it's also very much a part of the coverage of the game. A lot of fans use it. A lot of fans read about it. Insiders will talk about it. You know, betters. Look, in the sports betting world, you better believe that analytics is part of that, man. You don't. You might not hear about it when they're like, hey, here are some great odds bet on this. They're not talking a ton about analytics, but they use it, I mean, all the way down to the T as much as they can. Money's on the line. Of course they do. Jobs are on the line in football. Money is on the line in football. And while the Saints draft had, I think everybody's saying, what? Who? Peyton Turner? And then you start hearing about Raz scores. Raz. No, I'm not talking about the nice 
off brand of vodka that might go well with, you know, Sprite or something, or not talking about the blue airhead. No, Raz scores. What do you think in in, in terminalizing a football player? What do you think Raz means? If you don't know, what do you think the acronym stands for without looking it up? Like, my thought would be if I was totally foreign to the concept, I would, you know, someone brought it up. Hey, they have this, some teams use this RAS score on prospects and who they might draft. Do you know what that is? I would say, I don't risk assessment survey. But no, that's not what it is. Relative athletic score. And since Jeff Ireland came to New Orleans, he has been using the RAS system. Now, you don't hear about RAS because it's not trendy. It's not branded in this cool way. Yes, there was a big leap from the May the 4th be with you in the power of branding, but there's something to it. Moneyball, analytics. Is analytics used as much in baseball today if it's not as cool and acceptable and sexy as it is? And would it be cool and acceptable and sexy as it is if you didn't have the book, if you didn't have the movie? See, some owners would say do it because it works. Others would say, nah, don't, nah, nah, nah. We, 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 we've got a different way of doing things that's worked for us, and I'm just going to spend a lot of money and get the best players, and uh, we're good. In the NBA, some teams use them more than others. In the NFL, some teams use them more than others, but you don't, you don't hear much. I mean, chances are you probably never even heard of Raz. And maybe in the last few days, for someone to justify who the Saints picked, truth is I'm not going to sit here and try to justify anything. Like, what are they doing? Taking Ian Book in the fourth round. What do you need a backup quarterback for? He ain't going to come in and start. He's not going to be your guy. Peyton Turner had a really high Raz score. Every player the Saints drafted this year, with the exception of Ian Book, by the way, had a Raz score over nine. Now, Raz score is not a no-all, end-all metric, obviously. And if you want to learn more, you can go to relativeathleticscores.com. And it it essentially explains it all. It has a RAS calculator and all this other stuff. And I, I'm not going to sit here and bore you to death with all the ins and the outs because I can't brand this thing to be cool like Moneyball or be cool like May the 4th be with you. But the Saints... Since Jeff Ireland really got in the mix, technically he was there in 2015, but he wasn't hired until like late late February. And the Saints were already like, you know, they had scouts that had been working for like over a year in terms of the draft. So really the, the RAS system, the relative athletic score scale for the Saints in regards to what they do in the draft didn't start until 2016. And it is really based on athleticism. That's what the measurables are. The only first-round pick the Saints have had since 2016 that had lower than nine was Sheldon Rankins. Cesar Ruiz, Marcus Davenport, Marshawn Lattimore, all graded very high. Ryan Ramchek, yeah, he didn't have a grade because he was injured. 
And a lot of your top quarterbacks, they never work out or anything, so they don't they don't get Raz scores. And you also had the combine not taking place this year, so it was a little more difficult to to gather them all. But essentially the idea of it, okay, of a Raz score is this metric that measures pro days and combine this year and then gives a score relative to that player's position group. Where do they rank among their peers? And it's really just based around athleticism. And as we know, athleticism is the no-all end-all. I mean, imagine, I mean, Tom Brady's RAS score was, like, pathetic when he was coming out of the draft. But this stuff has been a, around since 1987. And some teams use it more than others. And... Again, relativeathleticscores.com if you want to learn more. But I, I don't know that unless somebody comes along in the media that that talks about it more with authority, makes it seem cool, makes it seem trendy, and brands it as such, there won't be much more interest. And even if there is interest, it'll probably be somewhat passive. Like how many of you know how the quarterback rating system actually works. Chances are, if you follow football, you know that 158.3 is the best. Which, by the way, isn't that funny? 158.3. Not like, oh, he got 100 out of 100. A plus. No, 158.3. You know it's good. You like to reference it when you're talking about your guy either the quarterback on your team or fantasy football or oh, 158.3 quarterback rating. What an incredible performance. Okay, can you break all down how that how it came to be 158.3? Well, no, I just know that's the best. Okay. So this the, this whole Raz thing trending was just people on online arguing about whether the Saints had a good draft or not. And 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 who in the hell knows? I like like all of you were like Peyton Turner? What? Okay. Guy that's supposed to have huge potential but was marked as a mid to late second round pick and they took him in the first and they have these needs and all right, okay, whatever. But like you don't you don't know what drafts Still a few years from now. You just don't. You have no idea. No idea. And, and look, first-round players, they aren't always great athletes. You know? And Andrews Pete didn't have a, a, a round score over nine. But... I don't know, man. I I, I I saw Raz trending. I went back and what did I miss? All kind of people arguing online. Oh, the Saints, did they do it? Did they not? What's the deal? Until Raz becomes trendy or branded in a special way, it will not be mainstream. And I don't know that it'll ever be discussed heavily among Saints fans, but as part of their process, if you want to learn more, relativeathleticscores.com. I'm not going to bore you anymore with it. May the fourth be with you. Here's what we got in store this morning, guys, on the Great Scott Show. My boy Luke Johnson 
on the beat covering the New Orleans Saints. You guys know him. Maybe you've known him. Remember when he was on the beat covering the Raging Cajuns back in the day? Then LSU baseball, Southern football, then the Saints. Great guy. Look forward to chatting with Luke. He's coming up next. My boy Jay Walker is going to be in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk Raging Cajuns, the latest on the diamond, baseball and softball. Malik Wilson leaving hoops. His thoughts on that, leaving hoops, entering the transfer portal. Terrible tune Tuesday. Yeah, that's all coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. I got betting odds for Aaron Rodgers from the books in Vegas and where he might next. That's coming up later this hour. But up next, Luke Johnson joins me. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. We're back in two minutes. It's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. This is running mate. I vote yes. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Told you we'd be right back in two minutes on May the 4th. Our friend Luke Johnson of uh, the Times-Picayune slash NOLA.com slash The Advocate on the beat covering the New Orleans Saints joins us now. Good morning, Luke. Didn't you have a birthday recently? Good morning, Luke. Did Did you have a birthday recently, buddy? And my birthday next year is day three of the draft. I, I got to have a chat with the commissioner here and have him hook me up with some, some time off. I know, man. I mean, I, I try to go on this uh, this retreat once a year when I can. And um, a couple times it's fallen on the draft, which does not make it easy on number of people I work with. And then for you, it's your birthday. By the way, happy birthday, man. Um, Thanks, man. So, so how, is it, how is it working on your birthday? Because the draft, I, I imagine that's kind of like – Wall to wall, I won't even say sun up to sundown. Before the sun comes up and after the sun goes down, that just seems like a very busy time for somebody on the beat covering a team, especially this year when the Saints went into it with with a lot of draft picks. Yeah, it, I mean it is it is really busy. Uh, you know, and it's not just the the three days of the draft; it's it's the days leading up to the draft, and um, it's just a lot of work to be done. Um, but I. Uh, I said screw it anyways, and uh, yeah, that morning I went and played golf with Brody Miller on, on the LSU beat. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I just you, you have to you have to take a little bit of a little bit of a break. So I, I, there was like a five hour window in the middle of the day when I wasn't doing wasn't doing jack related to my job, and then I had to kind of turn around some stuff as soon as I got back. But it was all good. Well, I just want to say I really like your uh, your footwear that you were wearing uh, on Sunday. I mean, some like orange and black leopard skin print, whatever it was, it was like, that's my style right there. I was like, those, you got to wear them with shorts, but uh, yeah, springtime, that's a nice look. I liked it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I I got them uh, on sale on on the Converse website. I think they might still have a few pairs. So I might have to check it out. All right. So I was, uh, I was talking about the Raz scores uh, a little while ago and like, I'll be honest, Luke, I, I've heard about Raz before. I think I went and looked it up a couple of years ago when someone told me um, Jeff Ireland really likes this thing. And it, it's essentially just 
measuring various parameters of a player's athletic skills relative to players at their position. And the website they have kind of explains it a little bit more, but I don't know. I, I never really like came back to it the same way that as a guy, like I've, for instance, you know, I've, I've followed the NBA closely for many years and like PER player efficiency rating is a very popular trend, but that's something that like, I remember like digging into years ago and like constantly revisiting it. And it's like, a big part of, you know, how I might view a player. Never really did that with Raz scores. Um, and, and I don't know that it's going in that direction, but it seemed like this year after the draft, there was a lot more um, angst on social media in, in disconnect between some fans and others, some writers and others about that score and how the Saints utilize it. And my thing was always like, look, I'm not saying that 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 the, the those that cover this team are trying to justify whether the Saints did something good or bad by using it. They're just pointing out that this is what they use, and they have had success under Jeff Ireland. But as a guy that covers this team, I, I'm sure you have more insight than I do into it. What's your overall take on Raz? And this, the follow-up, obviously, is just how it relates to the Saints and, and how they view the draft. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's really simple, right? It's 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 a zero to ten uh, score, uh, you know, based on on how some how athletic somebody is compared to their their peers, uh, and it's going all the way like they're they're going against their peers, going all the way back to 1987, right? So there's a huge, huge, huge pile of data, um, and you can say like, okay, well, this guy's tested in the 99th percentile of all linebackers that have come out since 1997 or since 1987, who've, you know, run the 40 yard dash. Um, so, you know, I think there's, I think that's, that's useful in, in a lot of ways. Um, especially when you're taking their, their size into the equation, which is part of, it's part of the, the RAS formula. Um, and yeah, the saints, place a lot of emphasis on getting guys to fit their prototype. Um, and, you know, on top, it's, it's not that they're just like trapped in a bunch of scrubs either. <laughs> you know, they, they, a lot of these guys are like all conference level performers. Um, you know, Pete Werner was, uh, Landon Young was, um, you know, Paulson Adebo had, you know, I think he used number two in the, in the country and passes defended at the last year he played. Um, Peyton Turner was probably on his way to a double-digit sack season if if you know, he wasn't playing three and a half games, um, which is essentially what he was. I, you know, all these guys can play, and then they have the athletic traits to back it up. Uh, so I think that's what they're looking at. And so, in my opinion, in, in my opinion, if if you're talking about the trade, I, I know people were getting all up in arms about it because they're like, oh, of course they just drafted the athlete. But it's it's like, uh, look, I think I would rather. I would rather have my team, um, and again, just my opinion. I would rather have my team uh, go by their own, their own draft board based on their own work that they've done, um, than just be kind of in lockstep with the consensus. You know, everybody's just like, "Well, they could have got so and so around later." It's like you, you have you have no idea about that. <laughs> you have no idea what the other thirty-one teams are thinking. Like they. These teams aren't using Mel Kuyper's draft board. Um, they're using their own. Uh, and uh, if they like a player, uh, I, I would rather it be have them be con- have conviction in their own work 
and uh, their own process than than say, well, um, you know, the the four hundred player rankings online for people who have not just spent sure. the last six years of their life like just drowning themselves in these people's film and their interviews and all that stuff and knowing their medical evaluations. Like, well, those, those places said this guy's a third rounder and they picked him in a second. It's like, oh, whatever. It, <laughs> trust, trust the guys who are, who are paid to make the decision and, and we'll see how it plays out this year and then years to come. Luke Johnson, our guest, ESPN 1420. Like I get why ESPN or NFL networks not bringing it up in terms of their, just constant coverage of the draft, you know, they want to cast the widest net. And for me, you know, and, and I think for fans, that's mock drafts, um, which are all incorrect by nature. They're impossible not to be. It's not a knock. It's just a fact. And and sort of what ifs and, and rumors and sources. And, um, you know, the, the most ESPN or NFL network, for example, looks back at a draft usually is just who is a bust and who is a steal. Like, Looking back at a draft in terms of mainstream media is about 1% of the draft coverage. Like 99% is mocks and rumors, and it works, right? There's, there's incredible interest in the draft every year. And as soon as the draft ends, there's a mock draft up for the following year, run down of team grades. You know, they've kind of moved on. You know, Raz isn't going to cast as wide a net of interest, so I, I kind of get why they ignore it. Now, if a specific fan base really gets into it, you know, local media is going to bring it up, cover it a little bit, as you guys have. But, like, I get, I understand why it's not – like, if it was a metric used game to game all the time in a season, maybe it gets a little more play. But even then, like, <laughs> you know, I think yeah. most fans know, Luke, like, QBR 158.3 is, is the best. They have no idea how – you know, what measures that – you know, what, why, why, you know, oh, he threw an incompletion. Oh, that's why he didn't? And how did this guy do it? Like, they're not really sure how it all works. So it's not, I don't know that you could brand it in a way that it's going to be cool. Um, it just, well, I, 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 I get why that, it is. I don't think anybody cares about that either. Like, you know, I, I think, I think this is, that, that tool is used for one purpose. And once the draft is over, it's just like, okay, well, right. It, it's, it's going to cease telling me anything about the player. Um, because now he's going to get an opportunity to to actually show what he can do on a, on a field. It's something that, you, that can help you try to project if you're into uh, using athletic traits, physical traits as a core component of your scouting. And and there's no guarantee it's great. You know, I mean, it's like Stefan Anthony had like one of the highest ones of any Saints draft pick ever. Um, you know, yeah, that wasn't good, but. You know, so did so did Lattimore, so did Deuce McAllister. You know, those guys were pretty dang good in a Saints uniform. But um, overall, it's like we'll we'll see we'll see how this draft plays out. And uh, I it, one of the things I love about the draft, Luke, is just how nobody really you know you do as much research as you can, but you don't you know it's very inexact in terms of trying to predict what a team will do. And then you know, truly grading a draft is a few years down the line, and at that point. You know the interest from a lot of fans is isn't really on that. It's on who are they drafting next. So there's it's hard. Yeah. I, I was saying last week that I say this every year leading up to the draft. I'm like try explaining the NFL draft to like a non football fan that lives in like a different country and how it does just monster ratings. But then just break it down into like what it is is it at its core and they'd probably look at you and be like really. 
like everyone watches that, but they do. And you know, I mean, you you see the clicks yeah. you get on your stories. The draft is just it's 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 in a league of its own. It's nuts. Well, there's look, it's it's uh, I mean, when I was growing up, it was a very important thing for me to watch like every year. Yeah, I I was a baseball player, and there was times when we'd play like we'd have games during the the draft. My dad like VHS record the draft so I could go back and watch the five hour first round. You know, um, I I just think that there's uh, there's an element of of hope in this with everybody, uh, and and on top of that, you know, college football is such a big thing um, that. People are just really excited to see where some of these guys that they love or hate from college football go to play in the NFL. Um, and, you know, the, there's the, the whole thing is just it's a lot of pageantry and substance. Uh, you know, you, you get like a chance to draft chart afterwards and uh, get a chance to go out and find some more interesting stories about guys I didn't know before. Um, but really, uh, this isn't going to pay off in any meaningful way uh, for another. There was nothing going on in the month and a half before the draft. So it's, it's just, uh, it's a lot of people just like pumping up the draft because nothing else is happening. Um, so it's, it's just, it falls in this weird time, in the schedule where it just like completely occupies uh, the brain of the football consuming public for, you know, two and a half months before things actually start uh, really ramping up and picking up, and then they're worried about the season. It was weird. I was even talking to my wife Chelsea about it, and uh, she's like, "Well, I don't understand why you know, these guys can't just like sign where they want to, like literally any other profession um, in America. Like when they're done with college, uh, like it's got to be weird for these guys to just like have their destination like completely out of their hands." Like, you know, you're right. Like, I don't really have, like, a really good uh, really good reason they do what they do other than, like, competitive balance. Um, but it, it is just, like, it's just this weird um, this weird thing that we do in American sports that um, is so a lot of fun. But I don't know. I, I really don't know how to explain it. And I don't know how I'd try to explain it to somebody who who's, like, walking in from, you know, Romania or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, what does this mean? You can't look at it with a completely fresh perspective because you just wouldn't understand it. But it, I think it's just that element of it that makes things that, you know, in, in any other profession or walk would just not make sense. But in sports, it's like, yeah, of course you have to do it this way. I mean, why? Would, um, and then someone's like, why? Why? Why would you? But they're not they don't have that fanatical. Like you said, I mean, you know, playing baseball as a kid like that, you got it got to record the draft and i need to see the ticker at the bottom one through two you know 78 and wait for my team to pass by and see who they get and a player that i may not remember a year from now if they're not on the team but i'm really into it in the moment and i can't believe they're moving to this state and and i I hope they like where i live and i hope they embrace it and all these other things that you know in relative are you know you're just talking about a stranger but um on that note luke i gotta you know i gotta tip my cap to you man because I've said a lot. One of my favorite things about my job is when I get to sit down with someone uh, that I don't know well, um, you know, an athlete or a coach or something, and just kind of get a long-form interview and talk to them more about life and, and, and other things. And that's there's there's times for that, especially in the summertime. And there are other times where, you know, I have someone on and it's just to talk about, 
you know, the subject matter in, in the game that, that week or the draft, right? But um, but you're you're so talented when it comes to, you know, writing these stories about players in their journeys or their life. And on your birthday, um, you wrote one about the Saints' new first round draft pick, Peyton Turner. And I I immediately knew after reading that a lot more about him. Um, felt more of a connection personally to him because you knew his story. And I think for any Saints fan that hasn't read it yet, you need to go to NOLA.com and check it out um, right now. And um, I doubt Saints first rounder Peyton Turner, if you want, he's going to find a way to win, end quote there. Uh, that's the story by Luke Johnson. But how are you able to just quickly dive into this story, Luke? And, um, and, and again, hats off, man. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I try to do this uh, – to do this every year where um, as soon as the guy's picked, I, I try to gather as much as I can about who he is and, and put one together, like put a story together. So, um, so people can get to know a little bit more about the, their team picked in the first round. Um, so after the draft this year, I uh, reached out to, to Houston, I guess after the pick was made and, um, and asked if I could speak to his positional coach. Uh, and that was, that was at the recommendation of somebody who covered him at Houston, uh, somebody who covered Peyton Turner. Um, so, uh, who actually, oddly enough, I met while I was on the UL beat. Um, it's funny how that stuff works. Uh, so I, I reached out to his position coach, his position coach, let me know a couple other people to talk to. And, um, you know, you really just, like you, you just go into it with this, with the sense of, um, Hey, I don't know anything about this guy. Um, just please tell me everything that's important about him, everything that you think got him to this point. Um, and it's kind of how it works out. Uh, you know, the, the, the coach, like one of the, one of the very first things he says to me is this guy has been underestimated every step of the way. Um, and you know, I thought that sounded really, uh, really interesting and, uh, and, uh, timely, um, considering the reaction a lot of people had to, uh, to the Saints using their first round pick on them. Um, yeah, I think the, the immediate reaction from a lot of people, uh, both in the fan base and in the, um, in the, the draft analyst world, uh, you know, the armchair quarterback world is, is, uh, why, why are the Saints using a, a pick on him here. Um, you know, even if they like the player, they're like, well, I, I just, I wanted him to pick a corner. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I encountered one person who was just like fully behind the pick outside of the saints building. Like they were really pumped about getting this kid in. Uh, so I, I thought that whole, that whole idea of, uh, of like being doubted right off the bat was really interesting. And then it kind of fit with his story. Um, yeah, you know, for those who haven't read it, he uh, he was you know he, he was getting some some interest as a recruit. Uh, he was a, a pretty good basketball player in, in high school. He played three sports actually: basketball, baseball, and football. And he was getting some interest as a as a football recruit. He'd had like a couple Ivy League schools in on him, and he had a couple bigger name schools in on him. And then uh, four games into his senior year, he tore his ACL. In a game, he actually finished the game when he tore his ACL, which should tell you something about his competitiveness. Yeah. There's also something I wrote about in there. Uh, but then, like his recruitment just died. Um, 
the only places who were willing to take him on were like a small school in Denver, Colorado for basketball. And uh, I think Brown, um, the Ivy league school. And very late in the process, Houston's like, okay, like, we'll, we'll take you on if you want to come. But literally like (laughs) when they brought him in on the recruiting visit, he's like, they stuck him in the offensive line room. He's like 215 pounds. They're just like, yeah, this is probably where you're going to end up. Um, so, you know, he just kind of built, he built himself up as a player throughout his whole time there. Um, you know, they were playing him out of position. He, he was kind of under, under the shadows, like, uh, uh, Ed Oliver, his first couple of years there, new staff comes in and they're like, Oh, you'd be, you'd probably be better out here. And then, um, he cut weight. He like changed his body and they're like, uh, Oh wow. Um, this guy can play. And he was the, the best player on the field for much of his senior year. Um, he had a, a huge game against BYU, uh, sacked uh, number two pick Zach Wilson. Um, he had a huge game against Tulane, which people down here, if they're Tulane fans, should should probably know. He had two sacks and four and a half tackles for loss in, in, the, in his senior year against them. And it's just, you know, there's there's just this really interesting uh, kind of arc with him where he, he wasn't like the big time recruit. He wasn't he wasn't this uh, this guy that everybody wanted. Um, but every step of the way, he's he showed that he should be that guy, and and he made you know believers out of the Saints. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. It's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. We are visiting with Luke Johnson. He covers the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate, Times Picayune. Nola dot com is where you can check out all his stuff at by 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 Luke Johnson on Twitter. Great follow, great stories. Uh, Luke, was there anything? And this is. This is a question that fans may answer, answer different than you because I don't know what your expectation is or if you even have any as somebody on the beat. But was there any anything the Saints did this year that surprised you in regards to the draft? Um, not, I mean, not really. Um, I I guess like if I were if I were them and I was looking at my like if I were the GM, right? Um, looking at the roster that they had going into the draft, I would have done everything in my power to get a cornerback earlier. Um, but again, this, this all goes back to like, I say that as somebody who hasn't watched real tape of college football players, I haven't talked to them in person. I don't know what their, uh, like exactly what their, uh, their opinion is medically on some of these players. Um, so, you know, I really, I, like, I really like the Paulson and Debo pick. Uh, but just knowing that they have really going into that draft, just one guy on their roster who can play like the boundary outside cornerback. Um, I would have personally addressed it earlier. Um, I think you look, you look at what they did and nothing about it was really surprising. Um, even the fact that they used their first round pick on a, on a defensive lineman. That's uh, yeah. That's that's like Jeff Ireland's mo all the way. Uh, every single draft since he's been here, um, they've used either their first or second pick on an offensive or defensive lineman. And the only one that wasn't their first pick was in 2017 when they drafted Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek in the first round. So outside of that, every every single one of their their very first picks they used on a offensive or defensive lineman. So. Peyton Turner, first round, not a surprise at all. Uh, yeah, Pete Warner, uh, it, you know, one of those guys where 
some people had him uh, being like a, a pick later in the draft, but I, I think he fits what they're looking for in that position. Um, so not really a surprise. And again, great athlete, tested really well, and uh, played a ton of football at Ohio State. He was a three-year starter there, uh, all-conference player. There's not really a lot not to like about it. Um, and he fit their profile. So that, that was not surprising wasn't surprising to see them trade up for a Debo. And, you know, I think he fits what they're looking for in a player. He's big, he's physical. Uh, he likes playing man coverage. Um, yeah, he's got good ball skills. I think that made sense. Um, Ian Book, I, th- I think we all expected them to take a quarterback. Uh, I thought Book was probably, if, if I were looking at, like, the draft board ahead of time, if it wasn't one of the first rounders, Book was, like, the guy a lot of us zeroed in on. Like Peyton has actually been kind of enamored with him publicly, which he's not very often with players. Um, I, I was a little surprised the pick came in the fourth round. That one, if, again, if I could jump in real quick, that one felt more like, like you were just saying, like Peyton's guy. Just like briefly circling back to the Raz thing that Ireland put such a premium on. He was the only draft pick this year by the Saints that didn't have like a Raz score of nine or higher. Um, right. and, and everyone talks about, well, you know, height, measure, well, look at Drew Brees, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, you know, I don't, I think Ian Book will, will be a backup this year, but, um, it, it, I, I just wanted to second what you were saying. It feels very much like this was Sean Payton basically getting the final say on things saying we're taking him and I really don't care what anyone else feels like if I, if I got a, a, a behind the scenes fly on the wall story that that's how that pick went down, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, they flash into the Saints draft room and uh, when they made that pick and, and Peyton is the one who's just like ear-to-ear smiling, you know. And I think uh, I think when you're talking about quarterbacks and you're talking about that specific coach, um, it's really important for, for him to be the guy who mm-hmm. wants to take the guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like Jeff Ireland and, and crew can say all they want, like, oh, like, you know, Jamie Newman is six foot four and he runs a four – you know, four or five forty, and like he's, yeah, he might be, uh, he might be really good in in this offense. But like, I, it, it, here's here's the thing. It's like when when you talk to all of these players, like all of them were saying, like uh, we didn't really talk much to this team. It's like met a couple times, but I was really surprised that they were the team to pick me because there was all these other teams who were seemed so much more interested, right? Like all of the players said that, and then you get to Ian Book. He's like, I talked to them like like 10 times. Yeah. They, they really like do their homework on these guys and they make sure when they're, when they're drafting a quarterback that, that he's going to be the guy who fits what they are looking for in that position. And, you know, it probably won't ever matter. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think Ian book is the quarterback of the future. And that's maybe unfair for me to say, because I've never seen him play it down to football here. Um, but yeah, it's it's not going to stop them from from doing their homework on a guy, and maybe they can get a guy that that has a career like like Chase Daniel, where he's he's a really he's he's a capable guy uh, that you feel comp or you, you can trust to go into a game and not screw it up. Um, so I don't know I, the Ian Book thing. Like it, it wasn't surprising just because it's that, that was like something they telegraphed. It wasn't because anything else uh, with about that player uh, seemed like it made sense. Um, and then, like quickly, rise, uh, Landon Young. Uh, you know, they when they're when they're looking at offensive linemen, they look at measurables and they look at um, uh, their ability to stay on the field. He he had both of those things. He's big, he 
he's strong. Uh, he played a lot of football at, at Kentucky. I think he started started for four years um, at left tackle. He was an All Conference player as a senior. Um, yeah, it, there's there's some some very like offensive line specific things that probably make him fall to the sixth round. When you're talking about a guy who started like 30 games in the SEC, where they're they're talking about like hips and you know punch and all that stuff, like that I don't really get. Uh, but I, I think that's a pretty good pick in the sixth round, and they traded up for him. Um, and then the last one, uh, Kawan Baker, that one made complete sense to me. I mean, we've been waiting for him to take a receiver all day, and uh, yeah, I'm sure there are people there uh, you know, around UL who are familiar with Kawan Baker. Um, and yeah, the guy, I think, uh, is a pretty exciting athlete um, and like a big-bodied athlete and a guy that could probably figure out a way to do something with. Uh, and if he would have been playing at a, at a different school or bigger school or a place that wasn't, you know, as, as Dave Schultz pointed out, or he wasn't playing with 12 quarterbacks over four years, right? Uh, maybe it would have been a different story with that player. So, yeah, nothing surprising about the Saints draft, uh, really. Um, yeah, everything everything kind of fit. I, I think the only, the only thing that was surprising is that, um, you know, some of these players were drafted earlier than uh, you know what the uh, draft experts or whatever that we've all been reading, uh, myself included, um, in the the month leading up to the draft, which I think is why people were, were up in arms about it because they were convinced that they could have got Peyton Turner in the second or Ian Book in the seventh or whatever, um, you know Pete Werner in the third or fourth, um, which you know is is all just it's there's no way to prove it yeah and and yeah it's impossible it's impossible to actually say that because you have no if the saints really liked peyton turner at 28 there's a chance somebody would have also really liked him at 32 you know or or 36 and they would have had no chance to get him so anyways it's like it's like the gambling mentality only you're not at the wheel like man if i could just hit red one more time i could get this it's a little risky but yeah. i feel like the the you know the analytics and what i read and what that guy over there that's an expert told me is they, i probably could so why did i walk away from the board but you're not on the board you're just kind of following your favorite team by luke johnson on twitter that's the handle by luke johnson read all of his stuff he uh covers the saints for the times picayune and uh the advocate nola.com great way to just go get all the access to all of it um, always appreciate time, the time, Luke. I uh, hope you had a great birthday. And I, um, you know, usually end it by talking about a war movie or show. I got to be honest, I, I have Patriot marked down to watch. I just haven't had the time yet. In fact, last night I was like about to start the first episode, but it was like, ah, it was like 940 or something. And the kids were finally down and I have to wake up early. I'm like, I, I want to watch it just so I can talk to him about it tomorrow, but I think I made a wise decision. So at some point, I'm going to check it out. Um, yeah, yeah. You just got you got to be in the right headspace. It, it'll be all good, though. All right, I'm, good. I'm, I'm very confident you're going to like this show. All right, I'm going to check it out. So a, a totally different random thing we'll end with then. Um, Jay Walker's coming on with me next hour, and you know we do Terrible Tune Tuesday, which got inspired years ago by a, a, a show we did in the summertime about fractured lyrics. Like, you hear... A song and and it they're saying one thing but you sing or hear another and earlier you were talking it it it, it went in my head because I'm ADD and my mind's all over the place but you were talking about Ian Book you're like yeah maybe he's not six foot four and like back in the day when I would hear the Beatles song when I'm 64 
I thought it was when I'm six foot four, which is which is, of course it's not. That wouldn't make any sense if I had listened to the rest of the lyrics. So, like, I've got plenty, right? You know, bring me a higher love, Steve Winwood. You know, years ago I thought it was bake me a pie of love. So what is one from Luke Johnson where you're like, you know what? Uh, for, for years I was, uh, I was singing it wrong, and I don't even care. I liked oh, it that man. way. Oh, man. Like, I don't know if I could even uh, – if I could come up with an example off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are many – many songs where I was singing the absolute wrong lyrics for years. And you might still uh, be doing it. You just don't know it yet. I'm, I'm sure I am. <laughs> Man. Okay, you're putting me on the spot, and I'm like not... It's okay. Like I, did, yeah, I didn't give you a heads up on this. It up, All right. But I will, I will absolutely come armed with, uh, with a couple uh, next time, because I'm really good at making up bad lyrics for, uh, for songs unintentionally. So. Good. Good. And I'll and I'll I'll make sure I watch a little bit of Patriot before we talk next time. Whenever that might be, but I always enjoy talking to you. Always appreciate you taking the time to do it. And uh like I said, love the article you wrote a couple of days ago on um on Peyton Turner and, and look forward to read more of your stuff. And hopefully now that the draft's over, you and the wife can have a little bit of a break and uh you know, you can rest a little bit and and, and you know, us radio guys won't bother you for a little while. Ah, we'll see about that. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me on. All right, Luke. Have a great one, buddy. You too, man. Thanks. Great stuff from Luke Johnson, as always, man. He's uh, he's a lot of fun. Great dude. And, um, you know, U.S. Marine veteran. And support him. Check out his stuff. And uh, if you're a Saints fan, I know you'll enjoy it. Ten minutes before the uh, the top of the hour. We're going to take a break here in a couple of minutes. Jay Walker is going to join me in the... 8 o'clock hour. Before we do that, I did want to spend a little time, as I teased earlier, on A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers. We talk about Raz scores, analytics, whatever. The betting odds, all the betters, the wise guys, the handicappers, they all use analytics when it comes to betting. And there is a bet on most sports books boards right now about... Where will Aaron Rodgers play in 2021 next season? And it's worth noting that the favorite on that board right now is the Green Bay Packers at minus 125. So barely over even, right? Next on that board is the Denver Broncos at plus 200. And there have been rumblings and rumors and reports that he would like to go to Denver. But after that, you've got the Las Vegas Raiders at plus 500, 5 to 1. Now, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to stay in Green Bay if the GM is still there. You don't have typical ownership in Green Bay. So it's not like an owner is like, cool, peace. GM, <laughs> Rodgers is more important than you. Now, here is why, if if he if it's not Green Bay, why Vegas, in my mind, despite the odds not being as good, but they'll pay out more, are better than the Broncos. Like, if 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 what 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 can Denver offer Green Bay in a trade at quarterback? I don't think it's Bridgewater. I don't even know if that's allowed because he just got traded. Drew Locke? What? 
And you're saying to yourself, well, it doesn't matter because, you know, Green Bay has Jordan Love. But therein lies the problem, right? Jordan Love, if Aaron Rodgers was traded to Denver, would be forced into the spotlight immediately. And if he has one bad season and plays poorly, which might happen, I mean, he's not really played any downs of NFL football, probably take him a little while to get settled. If he does anything bad, which would be expected, all everyone's job in Green Bay, everyone in the front off, Dunzo, bye, see ya. Because Jordan Love is the reason all of this has taken place. I say that. The GM in Green Bay drafting Jordan Love is the beginning of this, quote, toxic relationship, end quote, in Green Bay. And because Love is not only the reason, but also the replacement, if he does bad at all, and guess what? The coaching staff, management, they all know that. Now, if you trade him to Vegas and you get Derek Carr back and, you know, it gives the Packers brass a little more time. Jordan Love wasn't even the primary backup last season. First-round pick couldn't even be second string. Analytics, again, analytics, tells you that Aaron Rodgers is good for eight and a half more points per game than Love. I'd say more. I'm not a computer. I'm not analytics, but I'd say it's more than that. You're looking at a difference in about versus losses a season. If you had Love instead of Rodgers, I'd say it's more than that. But again, I'm not a computer. I think Green Bay would 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 win less than nine if Rodgers was gone, wouldn't he? Look, Derek Carr isn't Aaron Rodgers, but the gap between him and Rodgers is not nearly as wide right now as the gap between Rodgers and Jordan Love, and Jordan Love being the center of attention if Rodgers did get traded to, say, Denver, and he's now your guy, goes back to, wait, the GM, this is this is what they did? They drafted him, that ticked off Rodgers, and then he wanted to leave, and now this is the guy they replaced him with? Who knows, maybe Love comes in, lights it up, and he's great, and everybody looks good, and everybody's happy in the end, but let's be honest, you wouldn't bet on that, not on any sports book. But if you are going to bet on Rodgers playing somewhere else in 2021, the odds on favorite is Green Bay. But if you wanted to take a chance, take a chance like you would at the poker table. Take a chance like you would at the roulette table. Vegas, baby. We'll take a break. Come back. 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show coming up. Jay Walker joins me. What's happening with Cajun baseball right now? Cajun softball on the diamond. Things are looking up. How we feeling? We're going to dig into that. Little TTT and more. It's all coming your way next. ESPN1420N.com. It's the Great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up. And for all of you listening on the Listen Live Player via the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Only T-Mobile for business uses unconventional thinking. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Joining me this hour, as he does each Tuesday, the voice of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, my friend, Mr. Jay Walker. Good morning, Jay. Howdy, hi. So, uh, I, some folks know this. I've referenced it. Full disclosure, I was, uh, I was out of pocket this past weekend. Correct. And it was the first time that I was not able to really 
follow in depth uh, the UL games on the diamonds, whether it be baseball or softball. And I even like even the Saints draft. I, most of the picks I, I didn't find out about till after they happened, and I read a little bit. But um, and you were totally okay with all of that. I was actually. I was. Uh-huh. I was. I was. I was at a good place. Um, but I was able to catch up on some stuff. But like, it's one thing. For a draft, you kind of just read up on the players and the stories and how it happened. It's not like it was a game. So uh, missing the draft in the moment but catching up on it, it's easier to do than the games. Whenever you're able to listen to you and Brad or or, or Steve, and most of the time Steve and Bobby, I know Bobby didn't make the trip this past week, or see some of the games, you get a little different feel to it than just kind of reading the box scores and stuff. So Cliff's Nose version, what, what happened this week? Well, the women took care of their business. Um, you know, Summer got two wins. She's now moved past Jordan Wallace, fourth place all time. She's probably going to pass Ashley Brignac before the season's over with. That's a now you're getting to the list right yeah, there. Well, that's it. You're getting to the point now with Brignac and Kyla Hall and Brooke Mitchell. I mean, we talk about those young women in reverential terms, and she's got she's got herself right up there. Well, she's just been phenomenal. Uh, over the last month and a half or so. She's just been very, very good. And and Lamb has been very consistent, and they win all three games. Sophie Piscos, who everybody loves, okay? She, you know, they took the red shirt off her midway through the, the season, and, you know, she's she's still learning to hit collegiate pitching, but she's been a very good defensive uh, catcher. But she brings so much energy. They... They pinch hit her in the in the final game, and what does she do? She hits a grand slam, uh, which you know put them over the mercy rule. Oh yeah, yeah, a walk off so, grand slam, but you win by a bunch. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't a walk off because they got to bat in the bottom of the inning, but it it felt like it. Yeah, it did. So, um, no, they took care of their business, and this year you've got Troy, Texas State, South Alabama, all with a forty, and so. This particular championship, I think, is a big accomplishment. I think every championship is something to be celebrated. But this is uh, this was, uh, I think, quite an accomplishment to lose, you know, the players that you lost, and you still go up against good competition in the league, and you still win the league. This is, a, I think, this has been a special year, to be honest with you, uh, in that regard. So, you know, kudos to them. Uh, they're going to have their senior ceremonies this weekend. Um, Summer Ellison's only been around that complex since she was about seven years old, and it's going to be a very emotional day, I think. Senior day always is, but when you got one that grew up at the ballpark, that's that's going to make it that much more special, I think. Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week for uh, Cajun softball hosting ULM, and then it's off to the conference tourney, but um, conference champs. And you're talking about... RPI wise and 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 the conference, it's a strong year for the Sun Belt and softball, and that's not that hasn't always been the case. Um, not the strongest year in baseball, and that hasn't always been the case. You said, you know, I guess two or three weeks ago, like it's going to be a one bid league. There was a there was a brief moment this season when the Cajuns got on a roll. Where you're like, maybe in that large year, that's not the case. Do you feel like the, the there's going to be a favorite in this thing, or with the pod system, is it wide open? Like, what's what's the approach to the the, the conference tournament? The pod system does change things a little bit. Explain to me and the listeners exactly the 
the Sunbelt Conference tournament set up this year? Okay. Originally, there were supposed to be eight teams at the tournament. You're supposed to have two pods of four. You played a round robin within your pod. The, the pods had everything to do with how you finished in the regular season. And then the, uh, the top two in each pod would advance to a single elimination semifinal. With, with COVID, they decided that, look, there might be a team or two that misses a series. And because they missed the series, maybe they missed the tournament. And so they decided to invite everybody. So you've got four pods of three teams. And you play the teams that are in your pod. So you're guaranteed two games in the tournament. The winners of each pod advance to the semifinals. Now, the reason it's so important to finish the regular season strong is if you're in a pod and everybody goes one and one, the highest seeded team automatically goes to the semis. Ah, okay. So you want to you so you want to finish as high as you can because of that. And you're pitted depending on how, where you finish depends on who's in your pod. For instance, if you're a number 1 seed, your pod consists of yourself, the number six seed, the last place team in your own division, and the fourth place team in the other division. But if you're the Cajuns, for instance, let's suppose, let's suppose Arigetti just like gets it all together because he's had a couple of games where he hasn't been as good. More on that in a minute. All right. Let's suppose he starts pitching like he did earlier in the season and Connor Cook starts pitching the way he's been pitching for about the last month. Now, does anybody in the conference a pod with you and face those two guys? Here's the answer. No, they don't. So the pod system this year, I think, does a reset for all of the teams because all you got to do is be hot twice and you're on your way to the semifinals. And they're seated by divisional finish? You're seated according to divisional finish, yes. One east, one west. Two east, two west, yes. Which could help the west because there's a there's kind of a log jam there at number two well you also have got look you know we've i haven't seen all of the but i've i've been following it closely i think that there are two teams that may have separated themselves a little bit from the from the rest and that's south alabama and georgia southern um they played in statesboro georgia southern one two out of three south alabama team lead in that division but I think that they've got maybe the best balance of good pitching and, and, and the ability to hit the baseball. South Alabama's ridiculously good defensively. So I think those two have separated themselves a little bit. But in the pod system, you know, you got to win. One, one or two bad outings. Yeah. Um, Eric Geddes had uh, – he was pitching – like an all American, one of the best in the in the in the country. And I've I've said about Arigetti, he may not have the best quote stuff, but he, he goes out there like he believes he does and it 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 works. I, I, I love watching him play. Now I got to see him two weeks ago and you know talk to coaches, talk to others, starting to tip his pitches is what they say. I was not there. Uh, Friday, you were. What, what's what's going on with, with Spencer right now? I, I, I've never seen anything like it. He'd retired 11 in a row. I think he had seven strikeouts going into the fifth inning. He gets two outs, nobody on, and then he gives up nine straight hits. And and a couple of them were 
you know, one was a chopper over his head that, you know, and one, one was a, was a bloop that got in, but for the most part, they were barreling up on him. And was it, you know, the, the thing about tipping his pitch is that the staff has gotten, it's gotten back to them from scouting reports that, that it's happening. They hadn't been able to find it. And you're talking about, you know, guys who have been around this game forever and, you know, and a guy who spent 11 years in the big leagues, you know, and they've watched video, watch video, watch video. They haven't been able to find if he is tipping, how he's tipping. So, so essentially the, there's, there's rumors and hearsay around the conference. Hey, he could be tipping his pitches. Uh, he is tipping his pitches, whatever. And then the staff and B. Ryan, everyone's like, let's, let's, Find out if this is true, and they haven't been able to find evidence. They've, they've to watched. That they've it watched is. hours of video. So, do you do you think he is, or do you think that's just? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I do know this. I do know that there was uh, an opponent who made a comment to a Cajun player that they had that they had Arigetti's pitches. Now, it's so weird. Like, like you said, what unfolded on on Friday, you'd never seen anything like. No. That. It's like if he is suddenly they've got a hold of it, but it's after he's just been dominant for this long. And, and sometimes, and sometimes you know that it was with two strikes. I mean, it it was just I've just never seen anything like that. This is weird. Yeah, it is. This is weird. It is. I mean, you know when he's got it going, there's and there's, look for four and two thirds, he had it going. Now there's there's not too many. There, there's there's only a handful of guys in America you would take before him, uh, and two of them play at Vanderbilt, by the way. But there's not many when he's got it when he's got it going, and um, for it just to kind of happen like that, and and suddenly, I don't know, it, it, very very strange indeed. Um, Connor Cook was was great, wasn't he? Yeah, he, and that's like I want to say four outings in a row now that he just goes out and just dominates. Um, yeah, he was really, really good. And and you know the crazy thing about it is he's not going to be the Sun Belt pitcher of the week. Okay. That's going to be released today. And it's going to be Carlos Tavera at UTA. Now, again, you were gone all weekend. Carlos Tavera throws a nine inning no hitter that he's not going to get credit for because what? it was nothing, nothing after nine. Oh. Relief pitcher comes in. After 11, it's still a no-hitter. UTA wins one to nothing on a sacrifice fly. Um, but, yeah, two pitchers combined for an 11-inning no-hitter. And he doesn't get credit despite no, retiring he, 27 guys without giving up a hit? He does not get credit for a no-hitter. That's, that's, that's wild. That's wild. But he will be the Sunbelt Pitcher of the Week. Like, why, why you know, in Major League Baseball, uh, who was it that had a seven-inning no-hitter? Um, uh, Baumgartner. Yeah. It's Perf- like perfect game. Perfect game. It's like, why do you have to stop? Well, it's the double header. It's the seven. And he's like, yeah, but it's a perfect game. Can you just let him keep pitching? And he's not going to get credit for it. No, no, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Cajuns taking on North Alabama this weekend. Um, in the Sun Belt this year, there were two weekends where, you didn't have a conference opponent. It just worked out for the Cajuns that the first of those two was the first weekend of conference play. So it it kind of feels weird just suddenly playing uh, a North Alabama team that if all I remember two things I remember about them. You can correct me. I might have the wrong school here, but 
Were they the school that beat the Cajuns in football that were a Division II school in the Baldwin era? Uh, no, actually, that was in the Stokely era. The Stokely era. Okay, and, I'm sorry. And, but the answer to your question is yes. Okay. All right. So uh, my mistake on the first part. Um, and I think former Raging Cajun Denny Wright coached basketball there for a little while. Uh, that may be correct, yeah. yeah. I think that those are the two things I know I'll, about. I'll, and I'll tell you who else coached there was uh, uh, Bobby Champagne, okay. uh, who was an assistant under Jesse North Alabama. Three things. For, for several years. Don't know anything about them baseball-wise. They're the Lions. They're not very good. All right? They're, they're, they're not. I mean, I'd love to say this is a good team. They aren't. Now, they're better than that St. Peter's team we saw a few years ago. Oh, God. But this team has won only seven games this year, five of them. Against Lipscomb. Oh. But they also have a – and they they won one midweek game all year long. It happened to be against Little Rock. So, you know, so we'll see. That's weird. Um, but, but, see, when you say that, in my mind, I'm like, just don't lose one of these. No. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Just don't lose one of these. I'm with you. This, is, this isn't a midweek – this is a conference series. I, I mean, excuse me. It's a weekend series. I get it's not a conference series, but it's a weekend series. and. You got some baseball left. Um, so, we're, we're, very general question here, Jay. But where are you at right now with with this baseball team? You, you talked about softball and the confidence level there, but where are you at with this team? I think this team still has confidence. The the now they've moved Tyler Robertson to third base over the weekend, and he did a great job there defensively. Made a couple of spectacular plays. But what that does is it opens up the lineup a little bit. And so they had over the weekend what I think is their best lineup, at least right now, okay, where you've got Cofield playing first base and Willis at second, either Borgonio or Lede at short, Robertson at third, with Kimple, Bro, and Rockefort in the outfield. I, I think that's their best hitting lineup. What we've been waiting for all year long is for them to have a stretch where all of them are hitting at the same time. You know, they, it seems like you never have four of them hitting well at the same time, which which means you have holes in your lineup. You know, I could go, I, I could sit down and give you stretches where, okay, this guy was 16 for 35, and then he was 0 for 28. You know, it it's it's been that kind of a year. Puzzling. So, you know, if this team starts hitting up and down the lineup, with the pitching that they have, and they're more than just Arigetti and and Cook, you know Austin Perrin is very capable. Carter Robinson's very capable. You got Schultz and Tally at the back end. I mean, you got some arms. Tally named to the uh, NCWBA Stopper of the Year midseason watch list as well. And and so I'm you know, but the key to this team is they got to score runs. You know they they when they score. Five or more, they've got a really, really good record. But what did they do over the weekend? There were two games they scored only twice. ESPN 1420.com. I'm Scott. That's Jay. If you're listening via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. The Great Scott Show is sponsored by Suit Up. Suit Up. You know where it is, guys. 3546 Ambassador Caffrey. Suit Up Menswear and Tux Rentals. You need a suit, they got you. You need to rent a tux, they got you. You just need something casual, they got you. You need something dress up, they got you. Whatever your, um, you know, uh, price tag is, however much you know, whatever it is, they're gonna set you up. Even even my boy right there, Jay Walker, who nobody would ever confuse with a model. 
he went over there. He said, listen, I don't, I mean, I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong here at any point, Jay, but he's like, I don't know exactly what looks good. And they set you up and I'll be damned. If you oh no, they dressed, they look, dressed me. They dressed, okay. They, they dressed me, but you, and you, and it actually looked good. You got compliments. It was like, look at, look at yeah, this dude. Yeah. No, look it, at the it, bird man. Look, I, I'm not the best when it comes to, sure. you know, okay, I got this coat and these pair of slacks. Now what color shirt do I wear? What color tie? No, they, 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 they got me. Suit up. Go out, go check it out. Get what you need. Um, uh, you need to book a wedding. Obviously, that's where you want to go through. They got the Southern Marsh line in there right now. Love that whole line, which, by the way, was started in Louisiana. Suit up. It is locally owned and operated. When you go, tell them you heard about it from me. I would greatly appreciate it. Suit up. Suit up. Uh, Cajun Hoops, Jay, last week we learned uh, Malik Wilson was entering the transfer portal. Was that something you were expecting or was that a little bit of a surprise uh was i expecting it no was i surprised no and the reason i wasn't surprised you got 2000 kids in the in the portal okay the ncaa has created free agency and you're going to you're going to see guys especially good players at mid majors you're going to see this happen over and over and over again you will um and and vice versa you know you'll see guys at 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 some some major schools that right i i i that's kind of what i was thinking jay right you're going to see guys that are at a uh, a p5 and in basketball that might mean a little different well but it's it's a p7 I sure guess. Yeah. so uh, let's just say a a p school <laughs> maybe i shouldn't word it that way but you'll see players that maybe they're not getting as much run there or it's not working out the way they thought and we've seen that in years past but i think you see that more now they enter the transfer portal end up at a, at, a, at, a, at a G school, and then, like you said, a mid-major player that's really good. And I remember Malik's freshman year thinking he has pro potential, and maybe they end up at, at some of those bigger-name schools. So I, I think you said 2,000. I won't be surprised if five years from now that's 2,500, 3,000. I mean, it's it's just it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, so I don't um... – you know, I, I don't think anybody should take that, that, you know, Malik had issues or, or anything like that. I, I just think that in, in this particular case, he's had two good years. He is, he is more than a mid-major player, and maybe he's, maybe he's ready to take what in his mind is a step up. And if that's the kid, look, Malik's a good kid. I, I, I wish him well, whatever happens. And look, maybe he does this and he goes, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I think I'm going to go back. Because just because his name's in the portal doesn't mean he has to leave. Right, feeling it. It, it. When you say go back, not go play somewhere for a year and come back. You just mean right. in terms of... I mean, withdraw his name and remain a Cajun. Correct. That, that's a possibility as well. 21 after the hour of 8 o'clock, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. You saw a um, number of players with ties to the great state of Louisiana uh, that were drafted, and... One from Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, as expected. That Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis signs as a UDFA with the uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. You saw some other guys in the mix as well. Nick Ralston, former tight end, signed as a UDFA with uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Mitchell being drafted, not a surprise at all. Um, I thought it was going to be higher. Honestly, I I I thought. His 40 time was going to improve him by a couple of rounds. I think we talked about it. I said, well, I thought he was a six-rounder with his 40 time. I think he's going to go up to a third or fourth. That didn't happen. Um, by the way, I did not think that. 
No, you didn't. You were right. I was wrong. You said I don't think it really makes. I, I thought in a year without the combine, it was well, going to play I think, big. And I think if he does that at the combine, then I think he got something. But the fact that it was done on campus at a pro day, I don't think that there was much stock put into that. Not like it would have been had he done it at the combine. And in, in, I should note that you were right. I was wrong. I probably should have backed off of that once. A lot of players 40 times at other pro days were coming out because we saw more players run under a 4-4 this year than we ever saw. I mean, Ohio State had like what felt like a dozen. I mean, it wasn't quite that much, but it was you saw so many more. And I think, again, pro days versus combine probably had something to do with that. But um, but I look, I, I, I and he's. He can do a little bit of everything, man. I mean, I think he's going to be on the team next year, and I think he's going to be putting in work with the Niners. I mean, I don't like the Niners, but I like Eli. I'll be, I'll be following him. I, I certainly, I certainly wish him well. He's a good dude, and um, did some great things for the for the Cajuns. And uh, I hope he sticks. I hope he has a long career. And you know, I think, I think Regas could find his way onto a roster as well. I, I really do. Whether that's in Vegas or somewhere else, like Raymond Kale getting drafted by the Bucks ends up on the Rams plane last year. Um, now Regis is a kid I would I would not bet against. Um, and and I'm I'm anxious. You know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys from uh from LSU that well, six guys from LSU that were drafted, but uh, other guys just from from Louisiana. Garrett Wallow, a linebacker that's from New Orleans, uh, I think played at John Curtis was drafted in the fifth round. The Milton Williams kid out of La Tech in the third round. Um, and then you know. Travis Etienne, not Buffalo like we thought he might be, so he goes to a a pretty bad team, but he gets to stay with Trevor Lawrence, which I think is pretty pretty cool for those two guys. They get to both go to Jacksonville together, and you know the one plus side, Travis is um, Jacksonville is a lot warmer than Buffalo. Uh, this is true, and you know they play on grass. The practice field is grass. I mean, these are things that these are things that that matter. It's just. I think the problem with Jacksonville, it's good that they've that Tom Coughlin is no longer part of that organization. He was just kind of, I I would say, has a Hall of Fame resume, but was a bit of a dinosaur in terms of today's game. So much so that last year, the NFL, when an, when the NFL Players Association comes out and says we don't recommend free agents signing with this team, you know you've got a problem. Yeah, that's probably not good. But again, you look at it, it's like well. I mean, they've again. They've got a good practice facility. It's nice weather. They play on grass. They practice on grass from a health standpoint. All this other stuff. So, hopefully, um, you know, Travis is uh, is going to an organization that's starting to turn in the right direction. And uh, you know, drafting Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne the first round that's a pretty good combo for them. Um, of of all the Louisiana guys selected. Whether it be Jamar Chase, who was the highest one, Devontae Smith, Etienne, like we mentioned, or someone else, who do you think is going to have like the best pro career here? Man, I don't know. I I, I don't. I I I can't even fake one here. <laughs> on one hand, Chase is really good. On the other, it's like yeah, it's Cincinnati. You know, yeah, Cincinnati. Who's going to block for Burrow next year? Boy, I, I you know, yeah, I know. And and you know will will Burrow when will Burrow be ready? 
You know, I mean, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Yeah, yeah, this season, right? Yeah, I was, I was, I was. Every, I know people were, oh, they're getting back together, right? And this idea, like we're saying with Ichi and Lawrence, of all oh, this reunion. But I'm just like, boy, that old line is so bad. I mean, you you got to protect your most valuable investment. Twenty seven after the hour of eight o'clock. It's ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I'm Scott. That's Jay. If you're listening live, you're going to hear it next. If you're listening on demand via the podcast, you will not hear the next segment because of um, copyright reasons. You'll hear the final segment of the show today, but you won't hear the next segment. To hear Terrible Tune Tuesday, you got to be listening live. And if you're listening live, you can say, boy, this is, this is something I'm not sure I want. But let's be honest, you're all blessed that next you get to experience terrible tune Tuesday on ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. The Great Scott Show. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately on Sports Radio ESPN fourteen twenty. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Jay Walker, Scott Prather. Great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up. Last night ESPN had a a normal broadcast of the Pelicans versus the Warriors, and then they had a Marvel superhero broadcast. Um, Guess who really enjoyed that? You, my six-year-old son. Uh, Well, you know what? (laughs) Right when I right when I said you, I said no. That's going to be Callaway. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's so it's so like, and I shouldn't even it shouldn't even bother me. But you just see people all over social media like trash it. Like, what is this? It's not for you. So what are you doing watching it? If you don't like it, watch the regular one. Oh, they're, they're, it's for kids, and kids love it. So like, why was the Saints playoff game a Nickelodeon when adults are like it was dumb? It was. It's Nickelodeon. <laughs> Like, that's like going to, like, the Lego Batman movie instead of the real Batman movie and be like, oh, they didn't do Batman any justice. What was that? Well, you weren't supposed to. The Lego one was for the kids. <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, I was at a retreat over the weekend, Jay, and um, it was in Grand Isle, and there's, like, usually one or two outings during the retreat between, like, speaker and other things and prayer time where we're – and I, I've been on this retreat a few times, and I never go fishing because it's like, oh, you have a few hours of free time during this stretch. I usually just take a nap because I'm like, just I, I could I have time to myself. Naps gonna, are good. I'm gonna sleep. You naps, know, I, naps are very underrated. I would be able to do this. I know because so, I take one damn near every day now. So, so this year I was like, you know what? I'm at. It, it's not. I'm not going to go on one of these ones where they leave at like five. I say I think I might go fishing if they do it in the middle of the day. So, I hopped on one of the boats. And an hour and a half later, we caught 90 fish. Wow. We caught a fish a minute, all speckled trout. And then the Ooh, nice. some of the individuals on this boat, like one of them, it was his boat. Like they do it all the time. Like they go, you know, they, they, they have a camp there. And they're like, this is the best outing that we've ever had, ever. We've never had one like we've had some incredible ones. He's like, this is this. I will never forget this one. And I'm like, 
You'll never forget that I was on it because I'll probably never go again. And I was like, part of me feels guilty. I didn't even, I don't, I, I'm supposed to care more about it. Like, this was fun. The best thing to me was that I was worried, like, God, I could be out there for a couple hours, like, sun. But it was just an hour and a half because they ran out of bait. Because we just, every time we just cast the line, it was like, boom, in the boat. And part of me felt a little guilty, but I was like, hey, I'm going to do my best to try and appreciate it. And whatever you guys tell me I'm supposed to feel, that's how I'm going to try to feel about it. There you go. Because if somebody was like, you know, sitting courtside at the Final Four and you named Jay and you didn't even get to go and they were like, I don't really care about college basketball. I don't really care about you. Part of you would be like, ah, ah. So it was nice. And brought the fish home, cooked it, been eating it. It's good. You fish much? Like, I, someone's like, oh, you'll do it again. I'm like, probably not. No, I'm going to go ahead and just register this one as a one-timer, and I, I got what I needed. No, not a real not a real fisherman, but, um, oh, I, you know. I learned, too, about, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, sometimes I'll go to, like, a pond on a farm and, like, fish with the kids, but, like, I don't well, know. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. Like I mean, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. That's batting practice fishing. Right. As, as, that's like hitting off a tee. Yeah. Well, they're telling me all this stuff, like, well, the conditions and when it's windy – they can't see the bait because of the mud, and you have to follow the tide. And so what we did is we we somehow figured out where they were all feeding on these other things. I'm like, see, all of that like I means nothing. That's like going to, you know, a, a sporting event where you know nothing about the sport and everyone's just going nuts. You're like, I don't get it. I don't know what's happening, but I'm supposed to like it, so I'm in. But uh, to participate. It was fun, man. It's cool. I don't all think right, I'll ever hear do it, it again. Let's hear it for your participation. I appreciate it, guys. Sorry. That it wasn't one of you. It's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. That is Jay Walker. You'll hear him Friday, 5.30 pregame as Louisiana takes on North Alabama on the baseball dime. It's always fun hanging out, brother. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thank you for having me, and happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone. We know speak Americano.